Hello again, gentlemen. Welcome to the first day of Thatch's Thatch Can Style Wrestling. There's a lot of glare coming off that dome of yours. Squirrel nut! What does WrestleMania mean to Brock Lesnar? It's a day that I get to show up, kick somebody's ass, and get paid to do so. Crying out loud, he can't use a thing with you swearing like that. I don't give a damn. I came up here for a purpose to prove some son of a bitch and thing. And I'll tell you what I came to prove, that Lawler didn't have the guts. Hey there, folks. Welcome to episode number one of Talking Tourneys. I am one of your hosts, Sam, and with me will be the other host of this pod, Dan Rice. Dan, how are you doing? Doing great, Sam. How about you? I am doing swell. So, to start things off, let's talk about what Talking Tourneys is, kind of what we're trying to do here is to, <laughs> to set things up oh. and then I'll just cut this and we can use this in the future. Be like, Hey, yeah. Okay. You don't know what this show is about. This is what the show is about. There you go. There's the tweet. You, you so, should have a pretty good idea what it's about with the name. Yeah, but I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Me and Dan are both big fans of the professional wrestling tournaments, the pageantry, the scale of what they can happen. They can be, multi-night, single nights, round robins. They can be all sorts of different variations, but in the end of the day, they're typically, for me, a contained sort of experience, which is why I always dig them. So I can always feel like I get a full meal off one professional wrestling piece of of action. Dana, what, kind of, what was your perspective here when we kind of talked about I, doing I, this show? I think Indiana's. tournaments just lend themselves to almost easier storytelling. Like the stories are, are right there. It's, you know, it's, it's very easy for a, you know, a, a pro wrestler who maybe isn't great at storytelling to figure out how to tell a story in a tournament setting. Cause everyone is familiar with tournaments. Everyone, you know, is a fan of sports and understands the basic underdog story or, or getting tired through the night. And, you know, there's just so many ways you can go with it. Yeah. I mean, the things can naturally unfold in a way that, which what, things that could take weeks and months to develop over a professional wrestling TV series or independent professional wrestling schedule can kind of just run its course over the course of an evening, which is great for me personally. As I say, as we've seen trying to schedule this, we're both pretty busy. So it's good to just have one three hour chunk in and out beginning the end story. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, we talked about this in direct messages after we did the Desert Iron Comp episode. Everyone go listen to Dan's Desert Iron Comp episode on SoundCloud, iTunes, or YouTube. It's great. And they were like, okay, that was great. And then you had mentioned like you'd be interested in doing a pod and wanted some kind of maybe some tips, tricks on what to do. And I was like, hey, I would love to do a pod with you. So it seemed like it just made sense uh, that we found kind of a common ground here. Yeah, I would talk about Sam with anything about wrestling as long as it doesn't make me talk about modern day wrestling or what's going on with CM Punk. 
yeah, unfortunately, we're doing the <laughs> AEW Trios tag title tournament next. So oh. there we go. We'll get a guest host for that one. I'll, we'll take, I'll, take, a, I'll take a break. <laughs> <laughs> Episode two, Dan is just he's he's got to take a break on this one. He'll be back next next week. Uh, all right. And yeah, and I should say this is not going to be a weekly podcast, but we will kind of figure out the schedule as we watch and record. So more to come on that front. But for episode one, we're talking about a real hoot of a tournament. I don't necessarily remember how we landed on this specific one, but we're going to be talking about CZW's Tournament of Death 3, Band My Ass. If you told people what we were doing, how many tournaments would they get to before they got to this one as a guest for the first episode? I have no idea. That would, it would be <laughs> it'd be up there. It'd be up there. Yeah. 100? 100. Let's go with 100. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be triple digits for sure. Yeah, it's we kind of just sort of stumble onto this one as we were trying to figure okay, we don't want to start off with the the best of the best. A literal sense well, of don't want to start with off with best of the best. Yeah. CZWs. But also like the big prestige tournaments. Work up to those a little bit. Yeah, so I mean that leads us to CZW Tournament of Death. We got to know number three. Yeah, can't start with number one. No, really got to get to the established one. Well, first one that's not named John Zandig's Tournament of Death. So don't worry, go. don't worry, he's here. He's here. He's here. So as will probably be the protocol with most of these episodes going forward, we're gonna go run down the lineup of talent real quick. So. We have a, was it a 12-team field, 12-person 12, 12 field here? We have, first up, Arsenal and Evil Ninja number two. I lump them together because they're from IWS or IWC. They're, they're a couple of Canadians, so that's where they're coming in. We got Nick Gage, Ruckus, Wife Beater, Madman Pondo, Sexy Eddie, Ian Knox, the young upstart at this time. Necro Butcher. Green Phantom, another Canadian. I guess I should say, Sexy Eddie, also Canadian. JC Bailey and Chris Cash. When you looked at this lineup, Dan, what were you kind of first feeling vibes-wise? Well, you can't go wrong with Gage and Butcher. And this was when... I mean, for a long time, actually, CZW had a lot of Canadians coming in. Uh, so that's, that's this is the height of that. I mean, at the time, I think I only knew, it, maybe before this or after this, I knew Arsenal. I believe he gave El Generico Death Valley Driver off of something high, you know, a balcony or something. So like, I, I never watched any of the IWS, but I was vaguely familiar with them from clips and from their involvement in CZW. Yeah, I am feel like at this time I was not into independent wrestling at all. So I have no, had no reference for these Canadians for the most part, or at least specifically Arsenal and evil ninja. Number two, I was familiar with sexy Eddie and green phantom. Cause they sort of move on more to the modern age to me. At least I think I also say that ruckus is a replacement for Zandig yep. Zandig health something or other couldn't figure out exactly what it was because he was there he looked good he looked jacked he looked like he could 
could have a few rounds in there. So he looked in he looked in better condition than a third of the field. Easy, absolutely, absolutely, hundred percent. But for some reason, nope, not here. Rocket, not in the tournament, but at the place. So we got Ruckus in there to replace him. And yeah, Necro Butcher being still kind of the the legend, even at this point, even before he's kind of accumulated all of his accolades as far as tournaments. He's sort of the, the reigning sort of dude. This was already after the Toby Klein, Necro Butcher, King of the Death match. That was 03, I'm pretty sure. Okay, okay. The, uh, that, was, that was the big one, at least in my circle at the time. That was the big Necro Butcher match that put him on the map. For me, yeah. and I, what, I still to this day hold a lot of death matches up to that. Yeah. So, looking back, I again don't have a ton of reference here. We have a Necro Butcher versus Toby Klein match from August first, two thousand three. They do have the sequel though. That seems to I think get maybe a little bit more notoriety from. King of the Deathmatch 2004, which is the month before this. Oh, that that could be true then. But at the same time, like my, I'm guessing people do not have the DVD yet for that show. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> they might not have quite the frame of reference. See, I could have sworn it was 2003 that uh, Toby Klein like whips the VCR at Necro's head, but I mean, it could have been 04. I mean, I was in high school, so I'm seeing all this at the time out of order because I couldn't afford to order all these or watch all these as they were happening. Who could? Who could? But yeah, I do not truly recall, but neither here nor there. Like, and White Beater is the returning champion, I believe. He won Tournament of Death 2. Tournament of Death 2. For some reason, I thought it was Necro. But let me. Now I well, need to double check. My brain will not let me continue without double checking. Um, <laughs> actually, no. Tournament of Death two. Nick Mondo. Oh, was our winner. Maybe so, he won Tournament of Death one. You're gonna make me look up Tournament of Death one. I'm gonna good, make you look up that too. Good golly, Tournament definitely... of Death number one. Zan Zandix Ultraviolet Tournament of Death number one. Yes, White Beard okay. does win that one against. Sick Nick Mondo. So, first, this is the first one without Nick Mondo. I guess that is all I've got there uh, as far as that goes. But that's our field. It's, I think, decent to good. I like most of these wrestlers, and they there's definitely a few that bring something different to the table. Someone like a, I think, J.C. Bailey and Chris Cash kind of a similar void, but like Chris Cash being more of that real wrestler's wrestler and Ruckus being more of a chicken shit heel champion that actually isn't built for this. So, there we go. That's like Any other thoughts before we move into the opening of the show? No, I think we should just dive in. So, depending on where we watched this, we watched this at two different places. You watched it on High Spots, I watched it on Independent Wrestling television.com and for my end we have the show opening where we got the host in the line talking to fans really asking who do you think is going to win what are you excited about 
what's going on here. Lots of Nick Gage supporters off the bat. But the funniest one, to me, without a doubt, is someone saying Zandig, who is not <laughs> in the tournament. And has clearly been announced to not be in the tournament at this point. And I think that's just like a perfect CZW brain answer to that at the end of the day. I will say, in the defense, this is pre-Twitter and, you know, instant social media. So there's a solid chance you could buy tickets when you see the card announced and then not know anything about the show until you show up there. Yeah. The host does say, he's down the tournament. He says, oh, he's still going to win it. So, you know. I can't defend that part. Benefit the doubt, but also, man, doesn't seem all there. Yeah. We we do get also a visual of the fan-made weapons. There are multiple fan brings the weapon matches on this card. And I truly love the extreme cactus, which is part cactus, part light tube. Were you ever a uh, weapon maker? You ever bring any weapons to a fans bring weapons match? Absolutely not. You? (laughs) I did. And I was probably, I don't know, 18 years old. And I brought it to a, uh, it was Danny Havoc versus someone. And I can't even remember. And my mom, it was the most, I was already an adult, but it was the most worried she's ever been about me. She's like, what are you carrying there? And I was like, this is, this is for the match. And it was, it was a, like a wiffle ball bat that I had meticulously put thumbtacks all over that I took my time to do that because of, I don't know, something wrong with me. Yeah. I think anyone who does make a weapon has a certain screw loose at the time. But that's really cool. Everyone's got a little screw loose here. So not the worst of things. There is a particular weapon we're going to talk about later in the show, though, that did boggle my mind. Because I was like, oh, I never see this weapon. Why isn't everyone doing this? More to come. Before we even talk about it, there's more than just one. The variety of weapons is way better than you'll see on a, a GCW show or a... Circle six or whatever the deathmatch of your, you know, choices. Yeah, there's some real reefs to be a country type shit on this show as far as weapons. Where's the imagination? Where's the spark? On. <laughs> RIP. We do start off with a Zandig promo to start our show. Zandig, like we said, looking great, looking buff, looking ready to go. Yet he's not here. He's out here with his fanny pack. Hyping up the crowd. Really, the the big takeaway for me, though, is that they got a big old video game sponsorship in the back for the local retail outlet. And I think that's a perfect match made in heaven. I can't remember when Backyard Wrestling came out, but that game exists because that's the audience. First match. Evil Ninja number two versus Arsenal. In a two out of three light tube log cabins. That might not be the technical name. It might be two out of three fall light tube log cabins. Who didn't really tell you because the rules are you need to put your opponent through two light tube log cabins. A rule I'm not positive is actually adhered to in this match. Give me, like, what are your thoughts on this gimmick? Like, as far as the gimmicks tonight, this is the one that makes the least amount of sense in my head. No, it's the stupidest gimmick. <laughs> and it's, 
like it's so clunky and it doesn't it doesn't seem to lend itself to anything in the match. Like it doesn't like it's not like they built a story around it or that they had a great idea for it. It just seems like Zandig thought of the name and was like, let's go with that. Yeah, I I am fairly certain some one of these wrestlers does go through three light two blog cabins. I was starting to think, hey, maybe they have to go two in a row. Doesn't make any sense. I don't believe it. It's a mess. But these are the like two of the smallest competitors in this whole tournament. And it really makes me feel like we got some some little guys in there. What what were your kind of thoughts on this hot opener? I thought it was actually really fun. The crowd didn't seem into it, which it might just be because there were two skinny Canadians. Um but it included maybe my favorite spot of the night, which is crazy to say because there's so many spots, but the uh, the jumping pile driver onto the chair, the step-up pile driver onto the chair. Oh, that is a wild move that I was like, how, one, it only works with these two wrestlers because the weight is nothing. Wife Beater does that, that chair is just, it's crushed immediately. No, I- same exact thought. It's like if I stepped on a chair like that, much less holding another man, it doesn't it doesn't stay standing. But yeah, it does, is, that and it looks so brutal. And this is indie wrestling. These chairs are not. They did not buy specialty chairs. And you know, <laughs> when we need stuff that holds a lot of weight. Now this is been the the VA, uh, and it's just been sitting there for a couple decades, collecting some rust. So. This is a mix of lightweight and just some agility here. It's sick. I think in a match like this, it basically comes down to, are there more cool spots than there are blown spots? And like, that's the math equation. And this passes that test. Yes. I think this is a fun match. Like, I think I'm with you there. I think it is a match that I'm not sure why you, if why you would open the show with it, other than you're like, you know what? Let's get it over with. The crowd does not, when a guy like Necro Butcher, Green Phantom, White Feeder on the, in, on this card that could l- literally eat either one of these competitors, it is a little bit harder to take serious in this kind of environment. It definitely feels like deathmatch wrestling via New Japan Juniors at times, which isn't a bad combo. I just don't know if that's the combo that the CZW diehards were looking for this sunny afternoon. Yeah, I almost wish, I mean, maybe there probably is an IWS, like like a separate tournament of the of the tiny 120-pound or lower guys doing deathmatch stuff. Oh, because yeah, you're right. Oh, yeah. We need, I'll, have the tournament of death be the G1 of <laughs> deathmatch wrestling, more I or less, I, for lack of a other wording and then have a best of of the super juniors deathmatch tournament canadian guys who aren't like super regular as far as i know in the the promotion it's like you said like wife beater could you could not seriously you're not gonna i mean i'm not a wife beater guy but the crowd is you couldn't put the arsenal or evil ninja number two over the wife beater yes you also cannot say the arsenal and evil ninja number two and take it entirely serious if that's their first yes, time seeing them. Yes, true. I think they, these are those are two names and looks that you need a little bit more cachet and long-term understanding of who they are, not just throwing them in the opener. I think they won them over in the end, 
as far as the match goes. But it's definitely slow going getting there. Uh, yeah, but I think you're right. If they would have maybe even just switched the second match, which we'll get to, I'm not a huge fan of, but made that first, it might have made the crowd in a more giving mood. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely think that that would be it. But you know what? For us here at home watching this over a decade later, not a bad way to start the show. Yeah. Should say, Arsenal's moving on. He wins with a fisherman buster bundle through the tubes. It's interesting. I have my notes. I'm like, you know what? The ma- I question the math is what I wrote at this point. But- I'm really glad you said that because I like wanted the rewind, but I also didn't. And I just thought, well, I must have been, I must have been mistaken. No, no, no. I'm pretty sure evil ninja got screwed. It's actually what my ending <laughs> result is here. Um, and like evil ninja was setting up two stacks of cabins after he'd already put arsenal through one which i'm like you know what you don't have to do this you're doing too much you're just setting yourself up and he did he got countered set himself up for failure that's what happens when you're canadian moving on to match number two of our opening round it is ruckus versus nick gage in a barbed wire boards match how you feeling about this one dan it felt like not for me but i get that they those guys were over with that crowd. Like whatever you think, like Nick Gage and CGW was just as beloved as he is now in GCW. Yeah, I mean he was the man already, and Ruckus was firmly established. Um, I like the Ruckus move. I mean it's exactly what I would do if I was in a uh, barbed wire boards match. He came with like I would say what three or four jackets on. Yeah, he was like yeah. you know what let's give me some layers. <laughs> let's prevent this from really getting down to my skin. But I think it's about seven minutes. Feels about 20. Oh, come on. You liked it? it- I like this match. Oh. This is, I thought this was quality professional wrestling to, on this show because it's really, it is unlike anything else because Ruck is also is not a deathmatch wrestler and doesn't seem super keen on doing the big deathmatch spots. Um, lots of layers, but luckily it's just barbed wire. But Nick Gage really gives him the business with a chair to start off, which I think is just impeccable form. Rock, that's what it should be. Just Ruck is getting his ass whooped with a chair by Nick Gage. And to me, that's that's kind of what I was hoping for. I felt like Ruck was like getting his come up, but pretty quickly, pretty harshly, and that's what I that then it didn't need all blood and it needed but bunch of big spots we've got plenty of matches there and deliver that and this feels like okay ruckus totally out of his element nick gage totally in his element and it goes the way you would kind of expect i guess i could say nick gage could have really given a, a, a bigger ass whooping all things considered to really drive that point home and ruckus get me a little less offense than he did but <laughs> you know what i think this is is fun and is Again, I think it worked better probably as an opener after, before the blood and guts really gets going and all the six spots start happening. And this could have just been like a nice, okay, this is before we actually get into the real shit. Yeah, but, I hate the like fantasy rebook it or whatever. But like I said, like maybe if it was first, because that's why they just felt like they were moving so slow. And part of that is you just had two skinny Canadians 
running nonstop, throwing each other through light tubes. Yeah, and it wasn't like Ruckus and Gage were really throwing some heaters. They weren't bringing the stiffness outside of those <laughs> kind of initial chair shots. Um, and yeah, so I I do find Ruckus charming when he's doing his spring uh, handsprings or flippity doos and it looking sloppy and slow. I'm like, you know, what? I like I like Ruckus. This yeah. is really unfair, but my the number one thing that pops in my head with Ruckus. I don't know if anyone else remember this. Kevin Steen um, did the Kevin Steen show with Nigel McGinnis and told <laughs> Nigel McGinnis like his low point in Ring of Honor and maybe wrestling is when he found out that Ruckus was being paid more than him. <laughs> oh my god! You know, <laughs> and why? Nigel Nigel was on Ruckus' side. I guess Nigel had a match with Ruckus he liked. It was like why? And Kevin Steen's like he's a good guy, but Ruckus made more money than me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just hey, funny to think about what? that. I, I hope Deserve it still really so. with him. Deservedly so. Ruckus is cool. Ruckus is cool. But the the end of this match is essentially Nick Gage doing a face wash with a barbed wire board, which is not as cool or violent as it might sound with that description. But you know what? Nick Gage hits a powerbomb into the board. That's one, two, three. He's moving on, as you would expect (laughs) in Tournament of Death. Any closing thoughts here on Ruckus versus Nick Gage? No, I think I might have came off too negative. You know, the main what? thing is they were both they were both over with the crowd. Like the crowd hated Ruckus enough, and they loved Gage enough that it definitely worked for them. You can't care what the CZW fans like. That's your gotta learn that by the end of this evening. That whatever <laughs> they like is not a healthy attitude at times. All right, <laughs> next match is the wife beater versus Madman Pondo, and the fans bring the weapons match. I want to say, you know what? I thought this was a fun sort of plunder match, but not my favorite match of the first round by a long shot. What, where are you at, Dan? Uh, similar. Um, I think the wife beater wife beater, he has the thing that you shouldn't judge wrestling by. I don't want to be Jim Cornette and those guys, but he looks scary. I wouldn't fight. I wouldn't fight wife beater in a bar. He could knock my drink over. I'm buying my, I'm buying myself another drink. And then Madman's Madman, like Pondo's Pondo. So, like, it was fun. Uh, I have this thing where I've probably seen in the last, like, five years more Madman Pondo matches maybe than anyone else, like any other wrestler, just because he's really prevalent in the West Virginia uh, indie scene. And so I think I thought, oh, Pondo's so old, he doesn't take bumps anymore. (laughs) But then I'm realizing, no, this is 18 years ago. He didn't take a single bump. Yeah, his biggest bump spot on the defense is him gingerly like plunking his head through a glass pane. (laughs) Not even like viciously, just like, let me hit it hard enough just to break it and then I'm out. Uh, That's it. Yes, you're right on spot there. So that was my focus on the match because like I said, I've seen him a lot and he has he has the five minute match he does. He comes out with the stop sign like it works for he did a lot of like free uh, wrestling shows in a Buffalo Wild Wing uh, parking lot. And it works for that crowd. It works. And I'm like, oh, he just, an old, old guy doesn't bump anymore, you know? But I saw this match. I'm like, that's the same match. Just he's, he's like 100 pounds lighter. Yeah. That's it. No, and I want to bring up also, because it's very important to me that Wife Beater comes out to the ring flinging potato chips into the crowd. And I, is this a gimmick that he's been, he does? Or is this just the a weird 
hey, I'm I'm at Eaton backstage. Got to You know what? Let's just roll with it. I mean, like ferociously flings them into the crowd, like with a lot of emotion. Yeah, like I I don't remember if that was a thing he did, but he did it this night. Yeah, it is. Oh, it's interesting. It's interesting. Whatever. You gotta take it. You gotta take it. This match does feature my favorite weapon. It is the thumbtack keyboard. It is that's an incredible professional wrestling weapon. Because you get individual keys stuck in a person's noggin. And that's what I want to see. I want to see a weapon really just crumble when it hits a wrestler and just stick with them real nice and good. It feels like you get so many like thumbtack weapons that like, okay, this is really taking it to a different level when an object is attached to the thumbtack. That's to me great stuff. No, and it, it was much better made than what my bat was. I'll, I'll admit that. <laughs> like everyone's got to start somewhere. And yeah. Like, yeah. Like that's, you can't go right to the keyboard thumbtacks. That is a lot of super glue, a lot of time and effort. I'm sure the wiffle ball bat was time and effort. But you know what? Like that's that is like, hey, you gotta start with the the the, the classics. <laughs> you gotta learn hot cross buns. All right. So the ending of this is absolute garbage. Wife, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's the worst sky high is I've ever seen on a TV screen. But then follows that up with an okay looking power bomb to win to move on. What is wife beater sky high called? It feels like that can't be what it's. I'm supposed to call it. Do you have any idea? Oh God, no! I'm sure there's a name for it. Sorry, wife beater, you're getting sky hide. That's yeah. it. We can. I'm good. I'm fine. With uh, he did. He did not have Pondo sky high. No, he absolutely did not. <laughs> he did not make it to the sky. I can guarantee you that. Page um, Mash has me with Trailer Park Slam, but I refuse to acknowledge that as the name for that maneuver. So, there we go. Any other thoughts on Wife Beater versus Madman Pondo? You know, I did the same thing you did, and I pulled up his prowrestling.fandom.com to see what it's okay. called. And he's got a lot of moves listed here that he, he only did about four of these. Yeah, <laughs> so you cannot have that many moves listed for Wife Beater. Yeah, I was like, I didn't see any of these. We got a whole show <laughs> worth, and this is... Let me tell you, he did 10. He That's beyond reasonable. All right. Moving on. You don't no disrespect to the wife beater unless he has, has done problematic shit, in which case. I, oh, also, whoever agent the show, fire him immediately. You can't have two powerbomb finishes in a row. Just can't. Next up, Sexy Eddie versus Ian Knox in a thumbtacks and carpet strip boards match a gimmick that I was very unaware of and unsure of as I was watching this. Dan, what were your thoughts? Um, an insane amount of thumbtacks. It very a, a lot. Like you would think, like if listening to this, you probably think you're desensitized to thumbtacks. You've seen how many they throw down. Like no, this was the most I've ever seen. I think, and to almost little effect. <laughs> Yeah, it's oh, not yeah, like they absolutely. got covered with more. It just, there was just a lot more. It probably just made it harder for the poor guys that had to clean it up. Yeah. It was not maybe effective use of a shitload of thumbtacks, I would say. 
Now, I will say the sexy Eddie spot that we all know, I thought it was in this match. So I had my own story going, when is it going to happen? When does it happen? It doesn't. It, it doesn't. doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. But it, it, it kept, that kept me interested through the match. I'll admit that. I'm like, I don't know how this is going to hurt his arm, but all right. Yeah. Where's it, when is it going to go on? When is it going to go down? <laughs> yeah. uh, this may be my least favorite match of the first round. Um, it is yeah. the longest match of the first round, uh, which probably does not help it. I don't think Ian Knox is particularly good as a deathmatch wrestler, even though he's the young CZW student that's got the great look that, you know, looks like he could be a hardcore Randy Orton of sorts. Not the guy to me. Not the guy. Now, in the same tournament, you have JC Bailey and Chris Cash, who are both better for that, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Chris Cash, in particular, just because, like, he feels like, oh, you could wrestle anyone. Like, you put him there, okay, he's going to be our competition to American Dragon or something like that. Ian Knox, not that guy. Yeah. Ian Knox, he's <laughs> worse than Ted DiBiase Jr., sort of looking dude. Yeah, it's funny because, like I said, it is the longest match in the first round, kind of by a lot, because they're all short matches. And I have, like, the least amount to say. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say Eddie does seduce or tried to seduce Zandig's wife. Oh, yes. Before the match. Yeah. Give her a little bit of a strip tease. That was prop. That was the highlight, I would say. Yeah, that is the most entertaining part of the match. Yeah. Zandig's wife eventually gets out of there. Not. It is not gratuitous, as you would think, based on that description. Oh, my gosh. It he, would be a it would be a one on the FD scale. Yeah, he gave like that, a proper amount of spacing between his genitals and the other person. So that's to me a sign of respect to both her and Zandig, uh, and the sanctity of marriage itself. Whereas, and you know what? Whatever, Eddie wins. I've got <laughs> nothing more to say. You want anything you want to talk about? I got nothing. Moving on, Green Phantom versus Necro. Butcher now bands bring the weapons match. Dan, give it to me. What are you thinking? This is the best match of the first round. It's not close. Um, it's Necro being Necro, and he's just laying in all the shots, and Phantom's giving it right back, and it's it it it's real. It felt real. I thought these guys were really fighting. Uh, Phantom gets destroyed. Um, there's a spot that I think really. I mean, Necro is Necro now. I mean. He is what he is. But there's a spot that I'm like, this is why I love Necro. He grabs the guitar to hit Green Phantom, but he does what you have to do. And too many pro wrestlers wouldn't do this. He pretends to play the guitar first. And then he whacks him with it. That's the whole that's the whole kit and caboodle. You gotta do it. I will say they do invoke a VCR into this match. They don't live up to that. No. Which is unfortunate. You can't like I, I you can't put a VCR in a Necro match and not go all the way. It's ruined. But this match rocks. This is just a kick-ass sort of thing. Like you said, Butcher, he's going stiff as all hell. Green Phantom dishing it back. Green Phantom feels like, okay, that Terminator type of guy. Like a brain damage, but he's in there with Necro Butcher. So, he's got more going for him in that regard. 
of all the Canadians, he leaves the biggest impression for me. Even though he weighs as much as the other Canadians put together. Oh yeah, yeah. He all the other Canadians would be like three dudes in a trench coat to get yeah. to his size. There's um, a point where they're against where they're up against the fans, and there's this fan, which I understand, but he's trying so hard to get Necro to take his crutch, I think it is. But I'm like, but Necro is just punching him in the head face and headbutting him over and over again. I'm like, no, stop. this is hurting more than the crutch would hurt. Trust me. Yeah. Uh, there is a real sick spot that I'm like, you know what? Tony Hawk, eat your heart out. Where oh, Phantom yeah. does a springboard double stomp to the outside with a light tube skateboard. Somehow pretty much just whiffs on the entire skateboard, but still is hitting the double stomp completely. And I'm like, you know what? You you missed the, the board, but that's still sick as shit. And then he just still hits him with it. So that works. That works. I'm trying to think if there's anything else here. But, you know, it's like it's just violence, I guess, at the end of the day. And I felt it was short and compact and it felt like a fight, which is crazy. Like I said, someone tried to do a double stomp with a skateboard of, with, of light tubes, but it all felt in the moment like, yes, of course, that's what you do next. Yeah, and Green Phantom, once again, very large individual. It's not like Chris Cash, a.k.a. a Darby Allen of 2004 doing this size dude. This is one of the largest men in the tournament doing a skateboard spot. That's sick as hell. Yeah. Uh, we also have Necro hit. I just want to call this out. Necro hitting Green Phantom with a gumball machine. Yes. Those things are fucking heavy. See, that's the that's what I thought you were talking about when you said there was a, a weapon you don't ever see. No, you absolutely do not. You <laughs> do not see gumball machines. You should see more of them. But like also, very few wrestlers are going to be able to pick it up and use it in a proper way. Uh weak arms. But no, that I'm like, what the fuck are we doing? This is you can't hit people with that. That is a problem. Um. Yeah, finish here. Just kind of go over that. Necro is really hitting just one of the most reckless power bombs you're gonna get. It's sort of like okay, his body is contorting in weird ways that it shouldn't because Green Phantom was heavy as all hell, and then hits his Asiatic spike for the tap out win. Really, I think that's the only tap out of the evening. So Green Phantom confirmed wimp of the card. Unfortunately, after all is said and done. See, that got me because I thought, well, they're not going to have him tap out, even though that it felt like the finish. Like, I'm not going to have him tap out. Something will happen. And he tapped out. I think that was rude to Green Phantom. After that effort, just let him pass out. But no. and you know, you know, the crowd did not respect them at that point. Absolutely. You can't respect someone that you just watched tap out after all of that violence. Zandig doesn't get it. Doesn't get it. Still better than DJ Hyde. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about for Green Phantom for Snacker? No, I don't think so. It makes me want to rewatch more Green Phantom, which I'm sure would disappoint me. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to be a gr- your, your best idea, but yeah. you know, tell me how it goes. We can, we can talk <laughs> about that next time. Uh, next up, JC Bailey versus Chris Cash, Light Tubes and Ladders. What are we thinking, Dan? This is your uh, CZW like Young Lions match, basically? Pretty much, yeah. And... At the time, I'll tell you, at the time, I was an indie wrestling fan. And my best friend th- that liked wrestling only liked Ring of Honor. And, like, shamed me for liking CZW. But I'll say, 
I'm not saying Chris Cash and JC Bailey are, are, are Joe and Danielson, but this match, outside of it being, you know, a crazy ladders and light tube match, this could be on a Ring of Honor show in 04. Oh, absolutely. It fits right in with that style. No, they are two wrestlers that got it in that sense and that had the ability to do all the cool spots and to also kind of just weave in some fun narratives, especially with the fact that these are JC Bailey's his, his second tournament of death. So he's coming in with a bit more experience and Chris Cash is coming in sort of like fresh eyed of, okay, this is not really my scene, but I'm going to kill JC Bailey and move on regardless. He doesn't spoiler, but yeah, this is like a, a, just a hot little number here of all the matches. It feels a very, Akin to the Arsenal versus Evil Ninja number two match, except slightly bigger dudes and a bit Which more. is so funny to say, because it's not like JC Bailey and Chris Cash are big dudes. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I think the gimmick does them a lot of favors with the light tubes and ladders where they can kind of do your TLC sore spots with light tubes chucked in the middle so things <laughs> go exploding. And it's just having the best use of light tubes in the entire tournament. We have Bailey kicking a light tube into Chris Cash's armpit. Yeah. What? That I boggled my mind. I was like, why is no one else doing this? Put light tubes in weird parts of people's bodies and crush them. We also have, um, I think, Chris Cash kicking a light tube that Bailey is holding so that the, the, the spook dust gets into his eyes. And that's, I'm like, what is going on? This is not how you use light tubes, but it works. Yeah, there's the, like, there's the spot. It looked good where uh, I think it was, I think Bailey smacks Chris Cash in the back of the head with a light tube. Basic spot. And I think there's amounts of money that I do that for. I don't know what amount you'd have to pay me to get someone to kick a light tube into my armpit. But Zandig ain't paying it. No. No. That seems like an instant hospital trip. But it worked. It was awesome. There was a, a, a running up the ladder German suplex spot, which is cool. Oh, no. Yeah, it was, it was sick. It was like, okay, yeah. that's a spot. I believe that's probably, what, 90 seconds, 120 seconds into the match? Yes. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, oh, that's a spot right out of a Money in the Bank match. Yeah. It's 2004. And there's thumbtacks accidentally priced still in the mat. Light tubes everywhere. It's not a good time if you're taking it. Yeah, I mean it's it's not as safe as when Sheldon Benjamin runs up the ladder. You know what I mean? Like it's not not quite that secure. Not quite, not quite, not quite. But yeah, this is just a a heap full of fun. I don't have a ton else to kind of say. Like it's I think it maybe lacks a little bit as far as like really hitting that next next level but like it's sub 10 minutes i think so i'm not gonna hold <laughs> that against it uh it's right around the 10 minute mark it's a lot of fun i think they used that all that time pretty well yeah i like it and uh not to bring the show down but it's both these guys have i think similar early deaths and it seems like they could have kept doing this you know what i mean like this could have been you know this this would fit in on any deathmatch show in the country today without question without question chris cash 
untimely death and i think around 2005 and jc bailey um i want to say 2011 or so so sad and also why we have like the chris cash memorial shows that cz and matches that czw would put on later on oh next match first wait wait you forgot i believe after this you get another zandig promo yes Yes. Saying how amazing Chris Cash is, and now Chris Cash is on his team for uh, Cage of Death. Yeah, I, I don't know what the Cage of Death is in 2004 without pulling it up. But, you know, good for him. Good uh, for him. It feels like, I don't remember, I remember Ian Rotten doing what Zandig does during the show. I remember him doing that all the time. I didn't have the memory of Zandig doing it, but there's a lot of Zandig coming out and just be like, let me give my two cents of what's going on. Let me just let me tell you, as the Booker man. Yeah, like he doesn't want to sit on commentary, but he will come out and talk for 10 minutes after a 10 minute match. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Looking at. I don't know. Looking at this show of Cage of Death 2004, he doesn't get a main event, which feels rude. All things considered after what we just said. Um, But it's he leads a team up against Blackout. With two other members of this Cage of Death. I mean, not Cage of Death, Term of Death with J.C. Bailey and Sexy Eddie also on his team. So there you go. All right. But also we get video of Cash washing himself off. Some real nasty holes in his body that couldn't be good for him. Couldn't be. Gotta clean that shit out immediately. Stuff like that. First match of round two, though. It's Sexy Eddie versus The Arsenal in a light tubes match, which feels quite quaint in the second round. Dan, where are we at with this? Uh, This is the match that I was talking about earlier. This is the only thing I think of when I think of Sexy Eddie. Um, Just the squeezing the fountain of blood out of his arm. It's it's gross. I don't like it. (laughs) From a percentage Uh, standpoint... How much more money do you think Sexy Eddie made in his career because he did that? He had that spot at that moment. I mean, if he lost in the first round, does he get brought back? I don't know. Like, or if he loses, or if he or he has this match, but this doesn't happen, I don't know. That Sexy Eddie set stands out enough to really come back. But that's like that's the only. I think that's probably the thing most people think of when I think of Sexy Eddie. Uh, it's funny when you start trying to Google and see if you can find any reviews of this show or any, any news or anything. People really, really like this match, but I'm not convinced they really like this match. I think they really think it's cool that that spot happened. Yeah. I mean, like I watched the match. I think it's a fine match as Arsenal does his again, his nineties, new Japan junior impression as a deathmatch wrestler. And I actually, you know, sexy Eddie's whatever here, I guess in this match. I don't know if he actually thought, I thought he was any particularly good, but he's here. We're doing it. And the, for me, the coolest part of the match is the DVD 2K1 that Arsenal hits, which is kind of a one-winged angel, but if you just toss some dude off to the side and drop him on their head, and I think that's just a cool idea. <laughs> that's all I got, though. You got the you got the squirt arm spot moment. Yeah. And that pretty much makes Eddie... Uh, a lifer. You know, everyone is falling in love with him now. 
He is a man of these people. He didn't really need to do anything else. This match could have been two minutes long as long as that spot happened. And I feel like we're really harping on his size. But I think that if Arsenal weighed a little bit more, <laughs> which we'll is crazy. We'll bulk up. Hit the roids. Get the juice he, on. You know, what is it? Jim Ross says he needs to work on his upper body. Like, he could have been like, it's not like you had to be huge in 2004 independent scene. Work them calf muscles. Yeah. Don't wear a t-shirt also, in general. You better but yeah, he believe. tried hard, but I don't know that he put his best foot forward. Yeah. Yeah. You really gotta let yourself go balls to the wall when it comes to just your back bleeding. We have a man who's gonna burn their entire back off later on this evening. And he's not he's not gonna even take a little little thumbtack, a little glass into the back. Come on. Get out of here. Alright, I I feel like bad because I didn't say a whole lot of good in this match. Uh do you have anything else you you well, wanna talk about? I don't know that it's good, but like I said, like Arsenal is trying really, really hard. I'm not sure it's always working, but he is clearly given 120%. Wants to make this his moment. It, and then Eddie bleeds a lot in Eddie's moment. <laughs> you know what? Fuck you, man. Which, Fuck you. This which kind of works in Eddie's gimmick, so. Yeah, I think like Arsenal tried hard, but he also didn't know like what were the actual things that get you truly over with this crowd. Yeah. You don't I see agree. Chris Cash and JC Bailey with their shirts on. You see them bleeding all over the place, letting themselves truly get in the shit. Chris Cash more so because JC Bailey, he's he is a deathmatch guy. Chris Cash less so. But and Arsenal should be. Like he's in death matches to my understanding, and based on what I was see- reading. But nope. He just uh, kinda doesn't do it. After the match, I'm not a medical professional, but they immediately just start wrapping Eddie in duct tape. Yeah, that's feels like not the, entirely the move. Yeah. But it is what it is. Eddie does win with imploding senton onto the trash can. I trash can. But almost very shortly after this, the squirting of blood out of his arm. I'm trying to read on what I wrote next. Um... <laughs> You remember what exactly happens here? Because I am forgetting the timeline of events. But Zandig is out. And okay. It's because of the way that Smart Market Video breaks up the next bet here. I can't tell if Zandig's out almost immediately after. Or if he's out like 20 minutes after. Right before the next round <laughs> with an intermission. But he more I, or less is putting over Sexy Eddie. Welcome I to think it. it's immediately. But you're right. It's not. It's not obvious. Yeah, because like you don't see, to my not my recollection, you don't see Sexy Eddie at this point. It sounds like Sexy Eddie, he was supposed to be in last year's tournament, wasn't able to make it because of a broken collarbone, was in this one. Zandig's just putting him over left, right, and center. A real fucking cornball promo, honest to God, from Zandig. Putting himself over somehow. I don't know. And this is the end of... Sexy Eddie's night. He has to go to the hospital, or at least, at the very least, have doctors check him out pretty heavily. So he's not going to be go- going to be there for the finals. And Sexy Eddie gets invited to the nine eleven show. So there you go. It makes me think that it really is just Zanding deciding to come out because why would you have him come out 
two matches back to back just talk about how great someone is. Yeah, doesn't make sense. Like it really just seems ending because like that was cool. Let me go out there. Yeah, let me let me tell everyone how cool this is. That's how you but know also, something's cool. Make sure they know that I'm the coolest. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, next up, J.C. Bailey versus Wife Beater in another fan bring weapons match. This is an interesting match to me. In the sense that Wife Beater comes out immediately with a weed whacker, putting it to use, unless then you have J.C. Bailey just stealing it out of his hands like nobody's business and giving it to Wife Beater. I just, a very funny opening to this match and a interesting sort of storyline kind of woven here as J.C. Bailey gets things that hurt cuts dumped on him for a pretty substantial period of time. But Dan, what did you think of this one? No, I, I'm glad you thought so too. I remember thinking like it's just classic core wrestling that white beater's like, here's this uh weed whacker. Oh no. <laughs> and then he yeah, I mean he practically just hands it to him. It's not like JC Billis puts a lot of effort in taking this. It's not like he No, it felt the like they could have come up with a better way to get JC <laughs> the the weed whacker than it just like you said, it almost looks like he hands it to him. Like he doesn't, but it's almost like he's like, here you go. And uh the weed whacker is that's disgusting. That's always cool. Um, and then, yeah, uh, JC Bailey kind of works over his abdomen. Like that's kind of threaded through the match at that point. Yeah. Yeah. You have the JC Bailey using the cheese grater. Yeah. Also gross. Stomach, which is. Nope. Nope. Also like stabbing him with a broken tube. He's doing a lot of good work here. Uh, it's just an, it, it is interesting that this is the match with the most psychology, or at least two wrestlers that seem to have a strategy of how they're going to approach the other in a way no one else seems to give a shit about. So, Wife Beater, a thinking man's deathmatch wrestler, is all I gotta say. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because we're saying all this. We're like, this is the story. This is like, they worked this. It's like a six minute match, like a five minute match or something. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a ceiling here. Not be just, I like short matches. Like, they kind of just do like, hey, here's a fun little through line. Here's another fun little through line. All right, let's end it. So I really think if they would have had a cool spot to get JC Bailey the weed whacker and that not have been so stupid that it could have taken it to another level. Yeah, yeah. Also, the finish is not my favorite. <laughs> uh, wife Beater kind of just... Bailey takes wife beater to the truck with all of the light tubes. It feels like for the rest of the show. And then wife beater says, you know what? Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. I'm going to do another Scott. I'm going to do another beautiful sky high into all the light tubes in this, tr- the bed of this truck. And see, the problem is what he Sam just said sounds way cooler than it looks. Yeah. It looks like it hurts, but also in the sense, like it just looks really uncomfortable, I guess would, would be what I would say. Because, like, once they do the spot, I'm like, there's no good way to get out of this. I'm not sure if people here have watched Saw 2. But there is a point with a lot of hyperdermic needles, used needles. Someone gets with a pit of them that someone gets tossed into. And it's very similar to that. Like, once you're in there, it is very difficult to get out without substantially hurting yourself. But, like, the point of of wrestling is, like, the, the spot itself is supposed to be a thing that hurts you, not the wow, after the match is done. How does it feel to get out? Uh, uh, that's kind of where I land. Hey, there's a couple cool ideas that they do some fun stuff with. 
they ultimately that's not the payoff that they care about. So hard for me to care about all that much. No, I agree. It's kind of like the uh, Sabu Terry Funk where it's like getting caught in the barbed wire where like that looks really painful. I don't know that it's pro wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. It's like, okay. And this is also like, this is the end of a tournament match, so like everyone's got to move on. <laughs> JC Bailey's not dead. He's going to be hanging in the back. You're going to see him on video. And White Feet has got another match. So... And it's not one of those spots where I'm like, how is he going to come back? It's just like, oh, that sucks. That <laughs> They can't really take their time doing this. Uh, and it makes me think that like going to the show must must have been horrible. It probably lasted six hours. You couldn't see any of the Necro Green Phantom matches. They're all over the place. And now you got this. Yeah. Yeah, you really can't put through the ringer. You attended this thing. Like they're probably all drunk and don't care, frankly. Yeah, they knew what they were getting. <coughs> all right, moving on to the next semifinal match it is Nick Gage versus Necro Butcher in a Panes of Glass death match. This is the big one to me. Like this is this might as well just be the finals in my head because these are the two folks that seem the most over, that feel the most authentic to this audience, and there's pocket sand. So this is like what more do you want? <laughs> What are your thoughts here, Dan? Um, I mean, this the crowd was awake for this. Like they, th- this was their main event. You would think um, that would be the the logical conclusion was you probably should have made this the main event. I don't understand why you can't because of how this match ends. Which is, I think it's a bad way to end this match. But man, they really should have just let these two go out and just finish it off. This is why people were here. Frankly, it felt like. Uh, yeah, I mean, with the ending they were going to go with, I, you couldn't have this be the final. But then I guess the answer to that is don't do that finish. Bingo. <laughs> um, Necro got cut pretty bad. Um, doesn't seem to phase him in a little bit, which is why I love Necro. Yeah, there, there's moments here where like it feels like Necro is trying to set up this big spot. On the outside with glass and chairs and whatnot. But he does stuff something that so few wrestlers do is that he makes sure he's coming back to punch Nick Gage in the head every little bit here. He's not taking too many moments in his setup away from his opponent. And then, okay, well, I got to bop this guy on the noggin, let him sit here for a little bit. That feels like, okay, that's why does no one just do this? Like, that's this is the logical thing that you should do when you're trying to do a big elaborate spot. This is not a big, big spot, but it's big enough. So I'm like, why can't more wrestlers just get, get it like that? It's unfortunate that his brain is so bad in general, but like, that's such a good, and Master's got the best punches. He's just so good at those that maybe from a lesser wrestler, I'd think less of that, but from him, it's just like, okay, yes, please do more of this. No, you believe when he walks over and just hits him, you're like, well, that's going to take him out for a little bit longer. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I mean, not to take away from Gage, because Gage was, his punches look great in this. Yes. Yeah. Were, I mean, th- I think the answer is they were punching each other in the face, but I loved it. Yeah, there's, uh, there's the barroom sort of fight uh, on the sh- with the chairs. 
where they yeah. punch each other. And Nick's he can throw some some heaters. That's what you want. And I bet in 2004 that was way less annoying. Yeah, yeah. It, once it's not been done every single show that being a spot. Yeah, but now we've all seen it so many times. But um, there's the one pane of glass spot that I'm pretty sure the people that took the most damage were all in the audience. Um, which you go to CGW shows, I guess you're ready for it. But there's, it seemed like all the pain and glass just shattered directly into the fans' faces. Oh, yes, yeah, it feels like this was definitely one of those matches. Okay, this is gonna go everywhere. We're we're not playing around. This match might have my spot of the night, all things considered. Where Necker does a Frankensteiner from the top to the outside through a glass pane on chairs. And I honestly got thought Necro broke his leg on this spot. It was just so reckless, so nasty. It felt like, okay, let's get it back in there and end the match. And unfortunately, it doesn't. There's a lot, there's a good bit more to go. Not a huge amount, but a good bit more. Um, but that spot just feels so huge in the grand scheme of things on this show, where there's a lot of big spots, but nothing feels quite as violent as what Necro does here. Um, it seems like nothing's going to end that way where you do that big spot and you roll them in and pin them. But I thought I was, I didn't know. I don't remember the finishes of this. Didn't know who's in the finals. I thought that was the finish. I thought he rolled them in, maybe hit him with a power bomb or something, but like, this is it. We're done. Yeah. Um, unfortunately that's not the ending we get. The ending we get is ruckus and his cronies blackout coming to the ring and sort of distracting, and getting Gage off his game enough where Neko, Necro could take the advantage. He doesn't necessarily win off this, but like it's the way it sets everything up to be the final ending here. So, eh, like, I almost wish they, had, they would have just done the distraction and finished it. Like, nope, the distraction is just going to set it up for another couple more minutes. No, yeah, definitely. I like the match, and I, I'm not saying I, these guys at this time couldn't have had a 15 minute match. I liked, but it felt like there was at least two or three spots, like two or three points, where like oh, you could end it there, you couldn't end it there, you couldn't end it there, and then the pinfall didn't work at the end. So, yeah, yeah, and it just, you know, rare. Necro miss like doesn't break a, a, gla- a glass pane on Gage a couple of times, and the crowd oh. starts starts calling him a pussy. So. Yeah. You also got that working against you here towards the end. Which he seemed to be hitting him pretty hard with the paint. Yeah, that was what's so funny. He's like, <laughs> like, they're calling him a pussy, but I'm like, I don't know what more you want him to do. He's like, what do you, what do you want? What do you want? You're probably going to get glass in the eye if he really tries to throw this any harder. <laughs> so, Godspeed, I guess. Yeah. But Necro wins. This is the longest match of the entire tournament. It doesn't quite feel that way in my eyes, honestly. But like, this is the longest one. So, there we go. Are you ready to move on to our finals? Yeah. It is the Wife Beater versus Necro Butcher versus... Sorry, Wife Beater versus Necro Butcher in a Light Tubes Double Hell Death Match. A gimmick I actually don't know what it means. Do you know what a double hell death match is? 
No, and it's very funny because most of the giving names are so like literal, like two out of three log cabin, light tubes, death match. And this one, they're just like, it's a double hell. Yeah, like I assumed it had something to do with fire. Post having but, watched the match, but it doesn't but like finish the match. That doesn't make sense because, like, yeah, like did they did they have to use fire because this was called double hell? They did it through two tables. Maybe that's it. But then at the same yeah. time, it doesn't. There's a pin. There's a pin that ends this match. So why bother? I don't know. I don't get it. It's not a great gimmick name. But it's an okay match. Uh, Dan, what are your thoughts overall here for our finals? I liked it. It has the problem that a lot of these deathmatch tournaments have, which is very fair. And we're going to watch a lot more tournaments. So maybe a lot of regular tournaments have it too. But these guys seem pretty tired. Lots of suck and win here. Yeah, which, I mean, is true to life. I mean, I mean, so a lot of the early FCs, you know, the guys were exhausted by the time they got to the finals. So that is true to life. But like Wife Beater, who seemed to have an easier go of it than Necro, was in rough shape in this match. Big body, lots of muscle to carry around. That's what they always yeah. tell you. Yeah, I don't. This match is perfectly fine. Way to end our show here. But it's not like a classic finals match. Like you said, they're both pretty tired, sort of hanging in there. And there's not, to me, a whole heck of a lot that happens before we get to our finish. Also, a short match, less than seven minutes. But is it just me, or did it feel like this kind of jumped to the finish, and the finish took a long time to get to? No, exactly. And then the finish isn't like as spectacular as you expect from a tournament of death. Yeah, do you want to kind of break down what that finish is just so we can kind of get that quick visual, even though I don't think it's going to do it quite justice. Uh, I mean, it's double hell. Double hell. So, <laughs> Sorry. There's a very, there's a large truck. Yeah. And there's a lot of time spent climbing up to the lar- this large truck. Like a lot of time. Yes. The, if this match, according to cage match, is six minutes and 34 seconds. Two minutes climbing the truck. At least. At least. I was going to say it. three. Like that, It's <laughs> literally so fucking long. We already said Wife Peter's tired as shit. He's climbing a truck? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, And the finish is an air raid crash through a flaming plane of pane of glass and a flaming table this that may be just a pane of glass and a flaming table but you get the drift yeah see i was trying to just to break it down but like that sounds way cooler than this it is much that sounds much cooler than what it actually is so i was trying to figure out a way to say like hey every word i'm using is exciting this isn't exciting yes no exactly 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 it's like two tired guys fall through a table that's kind of on fire yeah, so when I say, like, wife are the single worst sky high I've ever seen in my entire life, this is kind of similar as far as air raid crashes go. Not quite to the extent, but it's more of a half-baked sidewalk slam of sorts. And it the truck looks big, and yet it, the fall seems very short. And I don't know how geometry works in this sense, but, like, the fall just doesn't seem to match, like, how high it looks at first. 
optical illusions. And I wonder, I mean, well, part of it probably because we saw two guys take forever to climb it, so that made it seem taller. But I also wonder if we've just seen so many roof spots like Joey and Zanding and all that where maybe, I don't know, maybe this was more impressive at the time. And I feel terrible because, like, there's no way this was fun. And I don't want to, like, minimize what these two men did to their bodies. But it just, it was not, it was one-tenth as cool as the Frankensteiner to the outside in the Necro uh, gauge match. Yeah, one of, like, that's what Wifey should have done. He should have done Frankensteiner off the it, truck. Yeah. That would have been the real, the real finish here. But it just it visually wasn't a pleasing, which it seems like, in my mind, a tournament of death is almost building to a big crescendo, a big violent spot. Yeah. You know, tournament of death cave match, you want your biggest, most spectacular spot to be the last thing you see, which the whole reason to not have Gage Butcher be the finish, I assume, is because they wanted to do the stuff with Blackout, they wanted it to be cheap, is to do a big spectacular finish, and this this wasn't it. No, absolutely not. Unfortunate. Unfortunate. But that's Tournament of Death 3. Banned my ass. <laughs> and like we're going to be doing around this time, we're going to give out a couple of accolades for match of the tournament and wrestler of the tournament. I think we're going to be on the same page with at least one of those. But Dan, what was your match of the tournament? Uh, Butcher Green Phantom. And I don't know that it's very close. I am with you. I also had Green Phantom and Butcher as my number one. I had Butcher and Gage as kind of a closer number two. But that kind of finish and not just that that finish was cheap, but sort of how they went about the extension of that match. But this one, this is a, just a this is beauty. This is what I wanted. I just wish maybe this could have happened in the second round almost because that feels like that's when all of the blood and guts really started ramping up. But no, this match kicks all sorts of ass. What about uh, the the wrestler of the tournament? My wrestler tournament, you know what? I think that's pretty self-explanatory at this point. It's Necro Butcher. He's going to be the <laughs> probably the wrestler of the tournament for most tournaments he's in, quite frankly. Yeah. That's but. my answer too. I almost wanted to give, like, almost to be contrarian, to give it to J.C. Bailey, just because his. I think that his two matches are maybe like two of the more smartly worked matches of the tournament. Yes. but it's clearly, but it's clearly Necro. Yeah, it's like, clearly Necro. <laughs> J.C. Bailey did have the best wife beater match of the show in my mind. Yeah. I guess that's something. He's got that one on Necro Butcher. But unfortunately, his night ended before he could have a match against someone not named the Wife Beater again. So, yeah, I think that he's one of the smartly worked wrestlers. But we got... And then Green Phantom, he he wins out because he only had that Necro match. So I'm left thinking about how amazing he is. Yes. Or if he maybe had more matches, a lot of his holes would have shown. But Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, I do want to see what Green Phantom versus Evil Ninja number two would look like, but <laughs> I'm sure there's a show with that. I'm but sure yeah. there's an IWS show with that. Absolutely, absolutely. So we got both of us have Green Phantom versus Necro Butcher as our match of the night, and then 
Necro Butcher as our wrestler of the tournament. That's that's Cage of Death three being my ass. Dan, like overall, where are we rating this show? Like, where's I would have one to five here. Cool. I think it's going to be shocking because I think I came off negative for a lot of things, but it's because a lot of stuff was way closer to being great than I thought it would be. Yeah. Like a lot of stuff I thought was going to be awful. Like it wasn't a joke pick as a tournament, but I thought, oh, the highs will be highs and the lows will be so low. But like there was a lot of stuff in the middle that I thought just a little bit more, a little bit different, and it would have been great. So I think I'm going to do like a, I don't know, like a 3.5. I mean, I think I'm with you. I feel like bad because. Watch it, but if for some reason someone puts it on in front of you, sit down. Yes. Yeah. I feel bad (laughs) because now it feels like, oh, we've just agreed on all of the major sticking points of the show. But also that means in future episodes, we're not going to be seeing too much shit that neither one of us likes all yeah. that much. So that's that's good, maybe. But yeah, I'm 3.5 as well. Like, I think this is quite good. I would not say you better go sit your ass down in front of the computer or your Roku or whatever and watch Herma of Death 3 band my ass. But... Like, hey, yeah, it's a good time. It's a good time. I'll also say that now that when we're in the future and we're looking for more tournaments, like 2003 to 2005 CZW tournaments are going to be kind of high on my list. Like we need the at some point we need to check in on the other king, uh, king uh, tournament of deaths and the best of the best. Like it held up way better than it had any right to. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I think it'll be fun to also talk about King of the Death matches from these various years as we compare the two to like, okay, what is the difference between these two major deathmatch tournaments? Really? When we get down to brass tacks, I'm looking forward to it, brother. Yeah, me too. Do you, Dan, as we wrap up this episode, do you have any plugs you'd like to dish out? I know you gave a very special plug last time. We were on. Oh, I did. My sister is a real estate agent in Ohio, Kentucky and West Virginia. So uh, look her up. Tesha Bentley Hall on Facebook. That's my big one. Uh, outside of that, no, I mean, I got Twitter. Uh, I'm sure Sam will tag me in it. Um, but yeah, uh, everything that Sam might not plug it hard enough. Everything that Sam does on, we don't know wrestling is amazing. All of your shows worth listening to. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. Go follow at WDKWPN on Twitter to follow along. See all the shows we're posting with QNT. R Quentin and Tim at QNTR on Twitter. I their show is great. I am incredibly biased. They just had Trevor Dom from Nourish Years through the years. So absolutely go listen to that episode. But yeah, I this is going to be a really fun series. I'm really looking forward to it. I hope you all enjoy listening to it. And Dan, more to come. Can we tease what the next one is? Yeah. Go for it. The, yeah. Uh, oh, man. I just drew a blank. That's hilarious. Uh, Super Jacob 94. There we go. There we go. We're getting into one of the big ones next time around.